everyone. It's Kayla here. You're listening to the Canine Conversations podcast and a crossover episode with my new Pandemic Puppy podcast. We're still positively obsessed with dog behavior at Canine Conversations, but today we're specifically focusing on puppies as Ursa and I are talking about how to prepare for bringing home a new puppy. If you're not already subscribed to both of these podcasts, make sure you do so now. Canine Conversations and Pandemic Puppy are both supported by members on Patreon, so you can also consider supporting one or both podcasts over on that platform. You can find that at patreon.com slash canineconvos or patreon.com slash pandemicpuppy. So Ursa is my regular co-host on Canine Conversations, so anyone who's used to listening to us there already knows her, but our Pandemic Puppy listeners might not know her yet. So Ursa, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited about this collab. <laughs> canine convos ex pandemic puppy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm ursa acri i'm a uh, certified professional dog trainer knowledge and skills assessed through the cpdt and i'm a certified dog behavior consultant through the iaabc and i'm also the co-owner of canis major dog training um, which uh, is a denver-based training company but we are have an online presence and see clients from all over. Um, so yeah, that's me in a very tiny nutshell. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Ursa and I've known each other for, I mean, gosh, it's got to be four going on five years now. Ursa yeah. um, was one of the first trainers that I met when I moved to Denver and I found her and her partner's business card at a climbing gym and harassed them into mentoring me and then harassed her <laughs> into doing a podcast with me and she hasn't gotten rid of me yet. So here we are. No, no, I'm never getting rid of you. You're stuck with me. I, I love you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right you. So before our listeners start barfing over all this too yeah. much, we'll keep going. <laughs> um, so as we said, today we're talking about how to prepare for bringing home your new puppy. And um, it, this is super timely um, because I just brought home a new puppy, uh, what, four days ago? Um, Congrats. So if you hear anything um, on my end of the audio in particular, that could be my puppy who's, you know, two feet away from me and was napping, but is now starting to get active. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. He doesn't hop on a squeaky toy or anything. <laughs> How long can we keep the puppy asleep? Yeah, you're yeah exactly. You're a parent now. I know you're, I know you're I know. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. He's currently tackling a broccoli stem with, uh, with vigor. Not me creeping out of bed this morning after my son climbed in with us, trying not to wake him up so I could have a cup of coffee in silence. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get ready for that life. Yep, exactly. Um, I can't right. even imagine how tiring having an actual baby is. It's really tiring. Yeah. I mean, yeah. puppies are tiring too. There's just so much similarity. I think I would say the difference is you can't put your human child in a crate and go to the grocery store. Yeah, so, yeah, that is frowned upon. Kind of and a the bummer. puppies last less long. Yeah, that's true. You know, by the time Niffler <laughs> is five, he's you know he's a grown adult dog who right. you know, will still need walks and whatnot. But if all goes well, he will be pretty much done with the whole manners thing oh. at least. Yeah, and but a five-year-old opinion, human is still he <laughs> still makes me put his shoes on for him. Like. <laughs> yeah, he wants to wet the bed sometimes. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, occasionally for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh. We've we've graduated away from a leash though, so he's he's his off-leash training is pretty solid. 
that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, and he's well socialized. As we've learned during this pandemic, he can't stand to only have me and my husband as his audience. So we've socialized him really well. So. <laughs> All right. So where are we starting? Yeah, we're talking, you know, kind of like literally you have decided that you are bringing home a puppy and either, you know, you've put a deposit down on a puppy from a breeder, you know, when you're picking them up or you've decided that like, okay, I'm officially looking at the shelter and you want to just kind of be prepared so that when a litter comes to the shelter, you can just go ahead and take them home as soon as they're available, which is generally how things are going to work. Um, if you're earlier in the process of that, you know, if you're still trying to decide whether you are ready for a puppy, whether you want to get a puppy from a breeder or a shelter, how to pick a breeder, how to pick a puppy from a breeder, how to pick a puppy from a shelter, the Pandemic Puppy podcast has all of those episodes already recorded. So if you flip on over to that podcast feed, you'll find those episodes. So we're, we're keeping the focus pretty narrow today. So first things first, Let's think about your shopping list. So this is both the fun and stressful part um, of bringing home a new puppy is how much stuff you might feel like you need to buy. A lot of the stuff you can kind of bring together from stuff you already have in your home, particularly if you already have an adult dog, but there is gonna be some shopping necessary. So aside from kind of the basics that everyone thinks of, like obviously your puppy needs bowls and some food, um, what is the first thing on your list when you're, you know, helping someone look for um, or plan for their puppy, Ursa? Uh, absolutely, a hundred percent, some kind of confinement. So mm -hmm. either an X pen, which is like a um, a big uh, little uh, sort of like a fence that you can mm -hmm. sort of put in a circle, or you can put it against a corner. Uh, either an X pen or a crate. Or um, a dog gate, like a baby gate that you can, if you have a spare room, you're thinking about confining your puppy in. Um, mm -hmm. But you have to have somewhere to put your puppy when you can't have your eyes directly on them, supervising them. Um, and I, you know, I, I actually encounter a surprising number of clients that are like, but is that, is that okay? Like, is that humane? Isn't that mean? And, and the answer is unequivocally, no, it is not mean. Mm -hmm. It's not abusive. It's not inhumane to crate train your puppy or, or teach them to be comfortable in an, in an X pen or some other kind of confinement any more than it's mean to, you know, plop your, your kid, your toddler in a, in a playpen for a minute, um, mm -hmm. or for a little while. So, um, they need, first of all, you need a break from having your eyes directly on your puppy and having to be responsible for supervising them constantly. And they need to learn how to be alone. Um, mm -hmm. puppies that don't learn, and we're seeing this with, you know, the pandemic with people home all the time, puppies who don't learn how to be comfortable alone, panic the first time they're left alone. Um, yeah. so they need to be able to be somewhere when you're somewhere else, even if it's just in the same house. Absolutely. And I would really kind of double down on the exercise pen gate setup as well. What I currently have for Niffler is a gate setup sort of thing it's a pen that probably I don't know it's like five by five feet so he's got a pretty good amount of space and then there's a crate in there with his toys and a furbo on top of that and then there's you know food and water bowls and we'll talk about the pen setup later so I guess I shouldn't um, spoil it too much <laughs> but the reason I like there I put him in there I would say he's probably in there close to 20 hours a day well, no, because he sleeps in a in a crate elsewhere. But um, you know, probably 
16 hours a day. And I wouldn't feel comfortable putting him in a crate that right. whole time. But the gated exercise pen area that's so much bigger, um, I feel really comfortable leaving him there for much longer. And he's much more comfortable that way. So, and and you know what? It takes up a lot of space in my apartment. It's kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. I don't love it, but it's temporary. Um, and I, I would really, really urge people to go with kind of a playpen route as mm-hmm. well as a crate um, and not just do the crate um, for your own as well as the puppy's sanity. Yeah, I love both because the other thing is, you know, a playpen generally is still like an X-pen is going to have room for the puppy to like run around and play and chew on things and put their feet up and maybe think about trying to escape and whatever, which is fine. But a crate is a lot more secure and a lot more conducive to like, okay, it's nap time. Like now yeah. you're going to go into your crate and you're going to go to sleep because there, it's you don't have the opportunity to do this environment surfing inside of the crate like you do in the in the pen or in a gated off room. So yeah, I do love both. We currently have his crate is inside the X-Pen and that is the only place he's got a bed. Mm-hmm. So I actually haven't shut the door on his his crate in there yet mm-hmm. for him, but he already has learned that, you know, when he's tired and wants a nap, he just goes in there and goes to sleep. It's and healthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's currently he's hopped between his Benabone and uh, he's got a broccoli stub and he's now working on the the buffalo horn in there. So, but he's able to kind of like move around the pen a little bit. Um, and, you know, he's not being obnoxious. He's learning how to self-entertain and there's nothing he has access to in there that I don't want him to have access to. Yep, exactly. So it's just, I, I can't, I can't sell the crate or, or the, the crate X-Pen combo setup enough. Yeah. And one thing, you know, that's worth mentioning is um, I think a lot of people get the idea that maybe it's like not humane or not, not ethical or whatever, because um, in their mind, they're like, I'm just going to plop the puppy in there and walk away and it's going to be lonely and it's going to be in distress and whatever. But what you're doing is providing him all of these things to keep himself busy. So Mm -hmm. just like you would never sit a baby in a playpen with nothing to do, because then they would go, crap, I'm alone and I have nothing to do. Well, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Um, you shouldn't do that for a puppy either. They should always have something to chew on or an enrichment toy or something to keep them busy. Um, and, and that's how they learn to be okay with confinement and with being alone eventually. So I think if, if you do it wrong, then yes, it can be damaging. Um, but it's really easy to do it right. Yeah. Well, and I'll even say, so like Niffler, you know, you and I were talking before we hit record that so far the only issue he has or concern he has is um, he gets very frustrated and upset when he is in the pen and I'm across the room from him. Um, It's currently set up so that I'm at my desk right now and I can literally like reach through the bars and poke him if I want. and uh, that that's great. But then, you know, if I get up and go and walk over um, across the room to get my water bottle and back, he's already then learning a little bit of these like micro absences where I'm not even out of sight. I'm not even gone. But he just can't shadow me. Um, so that's super helpful. So, mm-hmm. you know, next on our list are going to be some washable blankets or towels. You might already have some dog towels or like old ratty beach towels around that you're happy to use, but you could also just go to a thrift store and pick up a couple of those. And those are going to be for lining your crate, cleaning up puppy messes, drying off your puppy if they dig in their water bowl. Um, <laughs> yep. You just honestly can't have too many of those for most puppies because they're going to be messy. 
Yeah. And it's also important to note that the first few times you put um, linens in with your puppy, you want to make sure that they're not chewing them up and consuming them. I don't personally mind if dogs shred things. I don't want them to eat them because that's dangerous. But, um, you know, keep an eye on them and make sure that pieces of, of fabric aren't disappearing into your puppy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I also really like, so my underrated pick, my sleeper favorite is a white noise machine or like a baby mm-hmm. lullaby song machine, um, mm-hmm. which um, I, I used for my own human child. But also when we did puppy preschool at the training center, um, when it was nap time, we would turn on the white noise or like um, lullaby music and mm-hmm. it works wonders. And puppies start to learn that when they hear the the white noise of the music, it's like nap time. Um, so I really encourage my clients to, to pick one up. It's also helpful if you do have like a sound sensitive or kind of skittish puppy. It can help drown out um, some of the lower level sounds that they might be triggered by to help them be less reactive to noises and things like that. So I love a, a white noise machine for, for baby puppies um, because I think it yeah. just helps them relax a little more and sleep better. Yeah. And if you already have a Google Home or anything similar, yeah. that's what I use. I will just, I mean, I'm not going to say it right now, but I will right. say, okay, Google. Um, <laughs> like looking at it to make sure it's not turning on. Um, you know, play white noise or play dog calming music on Spotify. And it does all of that for me. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with it. And of course, this is the first time that Niffler has learned how to squeak a squeaky toy on his own and is happening, happening during a podcast episode. Of course. So, I apologize. Um, <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. That's okay. We're witnessing um, a developmental milestone here. <laughs> yeah, I just gave a treat scatter, so maybe that distracted him. Now he's like tossing them in the air. And oh my god, you got this video. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, we might. Yeah. <laughs> then I would have to like brush my hair and put in my contacts. God, so. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I totally agree on the white noise machine. I I've been loving the the Google Home for that. And again, like, I've been able to play around with Spotify and find some good puppy socialization playlists that have like dogs barking and sirens or whatever. mm -hmm. And then also calming dog music that have kind of more orchestrals. I have not yet found a playlist that I love that mixes those in well. Hmm. between the two of them so I've been kind of manually toggling Mm -hmm. because one of the things I have found um, that is a danger with Spotify at least and probably the same for YouTube is that some of the socialization playlists are way too intense um, or a little inconsistent with the volume so like Niffler might be totally fine with the baby crying sound because the his breeder had a six-month-old baby and then suddenly it's a backhammer at like 300 decibels (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, or you know, stuff. Our dogs barking have been has been the big thing that whenever that comes on the socialization playlist, he's worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which mm-hmm. makes sense. It's kind of an ethologically valid or like Sound. normal thing to be interested in. So anyway, just you know, proceed with caution with those guys. Yeah, you don't want to overdo the noises. <laughs> Yeah, and I would really recommend just kind of being around the first couple times you try out a new playlist um, and see what your puppy reacts to so that, you know, and maybe if you're not around, just err on the side of white noise or classical music instead. I always think of that Simpsons episode. I don't remember what episode it is, but where Homer is like, Marge, let me make some soothing ocean noises for you. And he goes, whoosh, whoosh. And he goes, oh, God, really loud. <laughs> 
like a foghorn? Yes, like a foghorn or like a boat. Yeah, a boat horn. And like, I, you know, I always try to listen to them first in case there's any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I have found like a lot of the, like, you can find some really nice, like, rolling thunderstorms with soft rain or like rainforest sounds or those sorts of things that are socializing but are generally not going to be super upsetting for most puppies um so you know play around with it but who knew we had so many opinions about white noise yeah i I didn't expect to have so much to say about it Um, and i didn't expect this to turn into an accidental ad for spotify and google home but here we are and the simpsons and the simpsons (laughs) The next right. thing is uh, kind of on a similar um, note to things like bowls and food um, is a lightweight leash and a harness. You know, most people are going to think of this ahead of time, and I don't know if I'll have a ton to say about it. Um, but do, you know, have a light, light, lightweight leash and harness. Um, Niffler is using some from Django, um, and it's it's really nice. It's a really pretty green color. It's a very comfy harness for him and he basically is only wearing it when fun stuff happens right now he doesn't continuously wear a leash or harness um because it's so itchy for him right now he's he's in the stage of like i don't know if you guys remember when you first had to start wearing jeans to school and your parents wouldn't let you just wear sweatpants or for the ladies in our audience when you first had to start wearing a bra and it just was like super uncomfortable and you couldn't stop noticing it for a lot of puppies that's how collars and harnesses feel at first um so have those have those around um make sure you've got them on hand and honestly probably get stuff that your puppy is likely to be able to grow into or have a couple sizes um available if you're in a larger city you might be able to post on something like Nextdoor or facebook marketplace to look for some really cheap sizes up um i know i have like a couple really tiny sweaters because it's 19 degrees in montana right now and like one of the ones that i got i literally don't think it ever fit him so i'm really glad i didn't spend much money on it um and then the other one he's got i think might fit him for a week so um you know don't go out and buy your hundred dollar super fancy hound tex jacket from herta quite yet (laughs) it's like uh I, i was in rei when my son was much younger probably two years old and I was like, oh, my God, people actually spend like $100 on baby jackets that will literally fit them for a month. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I would love if I like in bigger cities or if I ran a puppy kindergarten sort of place to have like a, a take library. One, give one. Yeah. yeah, library of yeah. stuff. But um, the, yeah. as far as I know, that doesn't exist here in Montana. Luckily, my roommate has at her peak had 18 dogs because she bred and raced sled dogs. Um, and she's got everything from Papillons to an 80 pound pit bull. So if I feel like I need something, I just kind of like wander over and ask her like, hey, do you happen to have? And she's like, yes, yes, I have that in every size. Um, awesome. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to mention is a lot of people will go straight for a collar. My opinion is that collars are for holding tags. I prefer to have a dog on a harness. And if you get a puppy comfortable with a harness early on, there's there should be no problem. But especially when puppies are learning to walk on a leash, um, they're going to do a lot of pulling on their neck. And I just, ugh, I, I hate to see that on a collar. It's just not good. So I feel like if you're going to get a collar, um, it should be to hold tags or maybe just to like walk them outside to the yard to do their business. But 
for walks and other things like that. And and it's also more secure to have a harness, especially because puppy necks are weird and some are skinny and some are fat in comparison to their head. And I see a lot of puppies slip collars. And then I also see a lot of them grow out of them super quickly and they're too tight. And, you know, we don't check them uh, frequently enough. So anyway, that's just my pitch for get your puppy used to wearing a harness because they're way better. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I remember working at the shelter, there was, um, this was a kitten actually, but the kitten was fitted with a collar. And over the course of four days, that kitten grew so much that the collar um, basically created a massive sore on the kitten's neck. And I yeah. was telling Ursa before we hopped on, Niffler, when he got his first set of vaccinations on December 17th, he was 11.8 pounds. We weighed him last night at my boyfriend's place and he was 15 and a half pounds. <laughs> so that is six pounds in five days. Um, that is another part of the reason he doesn't wear his collar continuously. Yeah. Um, you would hope that you would notice, but I, I remember with these kittens at the shelter, I personally had trained those kittens like two out of those four days. And I had been handling them and I had not noticed because I was not running my finger under the collar in all directions every time I trained them. All right. So next on our list is a big one, <laughs> toys. Um, so we could probably do an entire episode just on puppy toys, but let's, uh, let's see if we can boil it down to the most important um, sort of pieces of information. And I would say that people always go for the cute squeaky toys. But those are not my favorite for puppies. Like, sure, you know, you want to have a couple, but I like to focus more on toys that provide um, some chewing entertainment and some enrichment and things that keep your puppy busy. So you want things that you know are safe to leave with them when you don't have your eyes directly on them. Um, you know, it, you can go online and find a gajillion different kinds of puppy toys, but I feel like the classics are always best you know kong mm -hmm. kong and kong related toys are amazing puzzle bowls um snuffle mat although those are fabrics so you want to supervise um kayla which ones do you oh uh puzzle balls like a kibble nibble what do you like yeah i think my biggest thing is variety um mm -hmm. so i can actually swivel my chair around and read out what niffler currently has in his pen if that would be helpful to people yeah We'll kind of start from from left to right. He has a fleece tug toy that is tied to my desk that he is currently latched onto. <laughs> um, he has two different types of Benabone, one that is a super soft puppy one and one that actually I bought for Barley. Um, he has a soft, like, it's like a gummy plastic sort of like teething ring toy. Um, he has Barley's squeaky Christmas pickle, which is a giant squeaky toy that has a crinkly Santa hat on top. So it's got a squeak and a crinkle. Um, he has a water buffalo horn. He has a broccoli stem. That's like one of my favorite sleeper chew toys is when I'm preparing broccoli and you have the big butt. I just give that to my dogs. Um, and he's been loving that. You can do similar stuff with sweet potato skins. Um, you can actually dry them and turn them into great chew toys. Um, he has his bowls. He has a child's xylophone toy. Um, he has a plastic egg carton. Um, that's like a big 18 egg carton to, to stomp on that he's currently munching on. Um, and he has a couple cardboard, like uh, toilet paper rolls. That is quite an assortment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, 
it's great because he can really oh and then he the last thing he's got is he has barley's um like rubbery snoob snood snoop snoop ball yeah it's a puzzle yeah. toy yeah, yeah. that yeah it's kind of rubbery and you can put the kibble in it and then um the, you know the dogs get it out but it's um i've got it in there kind of as like an unstable surface that he can pounce on so it's really funny because you just listed off i don't know what over a dozen things that your puppy has access yeah, to right yeah. now. And I can't tell you how many times I'll tell clients, like, your puppy needs things to do. They need access to enrichment mm-hmm. toys that are going to keep them busy. And they're like, oh, he has a ton of toys. And it's like two things. And they're the same yeah. thing. And the puppy has had them for three days and is tired of them. <laughs> yeah. And that is the other thing I was going to say is I have another two bins of similarly varied toys that I'm planning on kind of rotating every couple days so far he's actually had the same toys since he got here but again it's Wednesday I brought him home Sunday at 10 p.m yep yeah variety and novelty is I would say is more important to dogs even than quantity um Mm -hmm. so you could even get away with fewer and just switching them out more frequently um yeah but novelty is super super important and again you know god I'm gonna sound like a broken record but parallel to raising a kid like my son will like if he's literally like a cat. So if we get like a box delivered and it's like, ooh, shiny new box, he has a room full of toys that he picked out a lot of them. And mm-hmm. he would rather play with something new and cool and, and shiny than, mm-hmm. um, you know, the stuff that's been sitting in his room for a year or whatever. So puppies are the totally. exact same way. Novelty is huge, huge, huge. I mean, we were we were joking uh, a little bit earlier. I have found as soon as I open the puppy pen, Barley dives in there and tries to steal all of Niffler's toys. And Niffler <laughs> zooms out of the puppy pen and tries to grab all of Barley's toys. And yeah. then if I let them trade back, they do the exact same thing. Uh, you know, it doesn't right. it doesn't matter that they both have a variety of crinkly, squeaky, soft toys. They both want whichever one the other one has, and that's yeah. great. It creates artificial novelty. I'm fine with it. Yeah, and I think. Even as human, you know, I think our brains are just wired to be drawn to novel things. I mean, if we're if we're well socialized, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so puppy toys uh, that you can that are safe for you to leave with your puppy without you being right there. Um, a variety of different ones, and enough that you can switch them out every every day or so, or every couple days. Um, and food dispensing toys are, I mean, I like they're just incomparable. Like anything that you can put kibble or treats or peanut butter or whatever in and leave with your puppy to work on, um, buys you some time, whether you want to say something, <laughs> I just I get really excited. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a new one that most people don't know about, um, that I have been totally obsessed with. Okay. So everyone knows about Kongs. They're mm-hmm. great. Um, you can, I'm also very into putting kibble in egg cartons and letting the puppy shred it to get it open. Mm-hmm. But my new favorite thing is, um, it's a digs groove. So think a popsicle mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and you can smear peanut butter or raw meat or cheese or whatever it is on it. It comes with a popsicle stick holder. So you can actually then like cover it Whoa. and freeze it. And it is made, so it's kind of like, think like a blade. It's made so you can slice it into your crate and then rotate it. And then it'll lock in place on any wire crate. I'm it's looking at it right now. <laughs> for crate training. I am obsessed. Wow. That's amazing. I am going to share this with everyone I know. <laughs> yeah. 
I full disclosure, they sent me one for free to review for journey dog training. Um, but they are not paying me to say this right now. Like they just sent me <laughs> one for free for my review and I am like evangelizing it to everyone because it is genuinely awesome. I will leave my crate door open, but have the, the groove in the crate as part of my crate training process for Niffler. It's so great because unlike a Kong where he could like grab it and bring it out of the crate if he wanted, the 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 groove is stuck in the crate so he you know automatically has to be in there um so yeah it's great no more like having to zip tie wiki yeah. mats to your crate or whatever that's amazing i love it like i said i'm gonna i'm sharing that with everyone i know <laughs> yeah, yeah and they're, they're very very puppy safe they don't really have as far as i can tell i haven't found anything about it where like if you had a six-month-old puppy who was a real big chewer sure, they yeah. probably zip off some of the it's a kind of soft rubbery like similar kong material right yeah similar to kong um yeah. okay so you know with an older you know if you have an older rottweiler puppy yeah watch yeah. him yeah but yeah, yeah I I, nine week old border collie like he's gonna lick off the cheese and then go to sleep yeah so. exactly yeah awesome wow oh, okay yeah. yeah well and we're done here <laughs> yep, we're done just here. kidding We've never been done in less than an hour <laughs> oh my god no kidding no we have a ton of stuff actually okay so having said that uh stain remover is on our list next and i don't know that we need to go too much into that <laughs> i will give one specific plug um i am currently obsessed with clean carl's stain remover it's an enzymatic cleaner that is a true kind of like odor neutralizer. So it really doesn't have any smell. Um, I really like Nature's Miracle and a lot of the other um, stain removers out there that are pet specific, but Clean Carl's is pet specific, but like genuinely does not have a smell. Um, and yeah, I, nice. I've been really enjoying it. So. Look at you with the awesome product recommendations today. It's almost like you have a puppy. <laughs> yeah, it is almost like I'm actually living with right now um okay so training treats is next um i really like people food for training treats i'm just gonna go ahead and say it uh i think packaged dog treats tend to be really overpriced and not super high value um that's not to say that you can't use them by all means use what your dog likes but um i love just like little bits of plain chicken for training puppies because it's easy on their stomachs and it's high value and um, you know, not too greasy or, or anything like that, but you do want to have some training treats ready because of course, the moment your puppy comes home, you're going to start reinforcing them for good behavior, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I really like having a couple bags of treats that are not perishable. So yeah. if I, I have little screw top jars, I have next to each of my doors I have one on my desk I have one in the center dash of my car I wouldn't want to put chicken or hot dogs or string cheese in those yeah yeah um one of Nipper's favorites right now is um gosh I'll actually grab the bag um because I went to PetSmart and they were doing or Petco and they were doing a sale where it was like buy one bag get the second bag 50% off so I bought a ton of stuff but these instinct raw mix boosters oh um I use they're soft I can break them in half and um, yeah, he loves them and they're, they're raw. They're made to be complete food. So I don't feel bad nutrition wise. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I always keep around some like Zooks or whatever. Um, and then I got some freeze dried chicken and cheese and salmon. So far Niffler will not touch salmon. <laughs> really? Wow. Huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Barley keeps like going into the puppy pen and cleaning up all the salmon that I keep trying to feed him. But it's so stinky. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He, I even like mixed it in with his food the other day, um, and he oh. ate around it. So that's crazy. Okay. Oh. Yeah. All right. Whatever. But yeah, and I like having a variety. I I don't know if this is real or not, but. I've been thinking of it similarly to with a small child where you want to expose them to a variety of tastes and textures when they're young. So, you know, even if they're not training treats, I also have a variety of snacks around for Niffler. So larger treats, chewier things, mm-hmm. or kind of bigger treats that I might only use for like a recall. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to expose him to a wide variety of, you know, cheese, peanut butter, bread, peas, carrots, broccoli, meat, you know, whatever, just to get excited about a variety of food. Do you think that that will have any effect on him as a scent dog later? I don't know. Yeah. My main thing is I'm thinking about, I know his dad, Captain, was pretty picky about food and was described as pretty not food motivated. His mom, Cora, was very food motivated. Mm-hmm. But so part of what I'm thinking about, and this could be totally superstition, is, you know, Border Collies can be picky and can be not great about eating. Right. So I'm really trying to make sure that I keep his food drive high and keep him, you know, excited about novel food items. Yeah. No, that you know, if sense. you put a lab puppy, this probably isn't a concern. But if you do have a breed like a Husky or a Border Collie that are a little bit more kind of typically picky, um, consider offering your puppy a variety of things. I got the only Husky and the only Border Collie in the world that will eat just about anything as long as it's not a vegetable. <laughs> Yeah, and my my other border collie will even eat vegetables. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I I do think you know it it's kind of part of socialization to me. It's just like there's something new every day, and one of the right. new things we do is eat a new thing. Yeah, eat a new thing. <laughs> there you go. And hopefully, it's not a pine cone or a piece of siding or <laughs> right, serious or a sock or a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or rat poison. Oh, geez, no kidding. Although, uh, you know, obviously this is why we have puppy pens um, that don't have Mm -hmm. access to cords or anything. So, yes. The next thing I have is garage pad floor mats. Um, And we'll have in the show notes for this, I will post a literal Amazon or Chewy link to each of these items of what I'm personally using. But these garage pad floor mats are awesome. You can get them at Mm -hmm. most home improvement stores or on Amazon. They're not cheap. I want to say they were 40 or 50 bucks per, but they were kind of like, they're like five feet by four feet. Um, And they're just something that you could like take outside and hose down. Or if your puppy pen has to be on top of carpet, Mm. it'll just protect your floor. So I actually got them originally for Madge, who we did a case study on in Canine Conversations a couple episodes back. Um, But I've been really loving them. The cottage that I live in now actually has like sealed concrete for floors because it was built as a dog kennel so I don't need it but I like that it's really grippy and I had them so they're down but especially if you live somewhere where you want to protect your floors from your puppy they're Mm. worth it I have a client who has um all hardwood flooring and they also bought those tile carpet squares um and they're like um carpet interlocking uh squares of of carpet they're like tiles of carpet basically and they use those in certain parts of their home where they knew the puppy was going to be hanging out because they didn't want her to like slip on the hardwood floor but they Mm -hmm. also didn't want to have to throw like an entire throw rug in the wash if she had an accident and so those are also uh, not as easy to clean as what you're describing 
but you know, an option that's a little less maybe in, industrial, I guess, if you want to. Um, yeah, it is. It is quite the look. Yeah, which I mean, you know, I don't care, but like the these clients had an extremely fancy home and <laughs> and wanted something, I guess, that was a little more domestic looking, maybe for lack of a better word. But those are an option as well, and then that way they could just pick up one tile if she had an accident and either wash it or if it was really bad, they could toss it. Um, so just another option for, you know, yeah. kind of containing puppy messes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know there are some other options out there, but those, those are the ones that we, you know, you can also look at something like what they have for like kindergarten, like these interlocking mats that they use a lot mm -hmm. in like kindergartens or agility. Pieces, yeah. Yeah. Pieces. Those can be really great. I know I get incessant ads on my Instagram for Ruggable, which are rugs made mm. for pet people that are like machine washable rugs. They're really expensive. I've not personally used them. They do look great based on the Instagram ads, but mm, I don't know what that means. You know, anything can make an ad. You also have to have a washing machine big enough to wash one. <laughs> right. Which, like my studio apartment, there's no way in heck I could have been able to do it. Uh, yeah. We have a washing machine the size of a five gallon bucket. So. <laughs> you yeah. can wash like a half jacket <laughs> yeah basically um well that kind of leads us into our next one and i'm gonna have you lead us into this because you're currently going through it yeah so the the other the second to last thing we've got on our shopping list is kind of litter box puppy pads something like that um and there are some risks associated with this which i think ursa you can cover the risks and i'll kind of cover the 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 benefits so um, my puppy came from a puppy culture breeder who started um, potty training the puppies on litter boxes full of pine pellets when they were about three days old. Um, so that was just available. The puppies learned to go use those um, right away. So I have a little litter box set up with a puppy pad at the bottom on top and then um, some pine pellets on top of that. Um, Niffler has only used it once, but anytime I leave him alone, I know that if I'm gone for an hour and even if I potted him before I left, um, if he needs to go, he's got a place he can go that is kind of successful. Um, part of the reason I'm keeping this up is just, you know, I am trying to continue leaving him alone as much as I can, <laughs> um, right. given the pandemic and I want him to have an option. I also expect to travel with him one day and I like the idea of being able to bring a potty pad with me and have him, you know, if we're in an airport in the pet area and he's, you know, not quite sure what's going on, I could bring out a potty pad and he would feel familiar peeing on that. Mm -hmm. um, because that's something Barley and I have struggled with. He's, Barley is not comfortable peeing in airport um, dog potty areas um, and will only go if he really has to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are kind of the benefits of it. And again, you know, the big thing for me is just, I know that if I'm leaving him alone for two or three hours, there's a chance he's going to need to go. Um, and it gives him a place that he can go, but I am absolutely not relying on it. Again, I've had him for four days and he's only used it once because I'm taking him out so many times and he gets a ton of rewards if he goes outside. So why don't you kind of flip on over to kind of the risks or why you might not recommend this for kind of general first time puppy owners? Yeah, I think that it can be really confusing for a puppy um, you know, consistency is a huge part of successful house training. And so if there are times where the expectation is you go on the puppy pad or in the litter box, and then times where the expectation is you go outside, um, that can really slow down your house training if you're not extremely diligent about it. I think it can, uh, for the, for the average 
puppy parent who is not a trainer, who does not have, you know, plans to um, do a lot of travel with their dog. And, you know, your dog is going to be a, a working partner, essentially. Um, I think it can unnecessarily complicate things sometimes, um, just depending on if they're willing to do the extra, extra work to help the puppy understand that, yes, the puppy pad is an okay place to go. And, but yes, outside is an okay place to go. And we would rather have you go outside. But, you know, I just think it complicates things. And, um, you know, when puppies are really young, they're starting to kind of develop a substrate preference for where they want to go to the bathroom, where they would like to go to the bathroom. And if we let the puppy pad or the litter box, uh, you know, do too much of the work, it can sometimes be really hard to convince them like, no, you should actually go outside now. Um, yeah. So usually I'll have clients pick if they, if they're just, and, and like we're, I'm in Denver. So a lot of clients I see live in like, you know, a high rise on the 12th floor or whatever, and they have a puppy and it takes five minutes to get from their apartment to a, an outside patch of grass where the puppy could go to the bathroom. And so in those situations, I do think it's really helpful to have a backup option for the puppy. So a litter box or a pad, but, um, you know, again, it can be tough to translate that to going outside. And so what I'll do a lot of the time is encourage them to get a grass patch instead. Like if they yeah, have a, I was just gonna suggest that. Yeah, grass patches are great. Or if you're in a situation where you can start to move the puppy pad or the litter box outdoors, that's also ideal so that you can start to teach them to go outside. And I mean, I've also had clients with little tiny three pound dogs that they're like, I don't care if they use a puppy pad their whole life, which is totally fine. I think that the the problem comes when the expectation is, you know, we got a puppy and it's winter and I don't want to go outside. So we're going to use the pad, but then now it's spring and I really don't want them to go in the, in the house and we have a house training issue because we picked up the pad and the puppy doesn't know how to ask to go use the bathroom outside. Yeah. And one of the things I've thought about as well with Niffler is at some point he's going to start lifting his leg. Yeah. You know, right now he squats to pee. Yeah. Um, but once he starts lifting his leg, I would really rather if he doesn't go indoors because I don't trust his aim right. um, to actually get into a litter box instead of onto the wall behind the litter box. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I think for most people, um, you know, if your puppy came from a breeder where they did have some sort of like puppy pad litter box option, it's not crazy to keep giving them that option for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, but I would really emphasize, you know, still taking them out every couple hours, especially after playtime or after eating, rewarding them heavily for going outside. Um, and you might consider transitioning them over to you can buy real, real grass pads. You can also buy, um, again, this is a product I haven't tried, but I've seen. It's called Bark Potty, and it's actually like shredded tree bark. So it's much more of kind of like a natural mulchy substrate that you would actually see, again, outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, and it smell much more like the outdoors. It's compostable, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It sounds like a pretty cool option, but I have not personally tried it yet. Yeah. I also think, you know, if you're going to put down puppy pads or a litter box, you have to treat it the same way you treat house training outside. So you don't. I mean, obviously, if you have the pad in an X-Pen and you're away, you know, the, the hope is that the puppy will use the pad because it's absorbent and that way they're not like walking in their own pee. But um, if you're assuming that they're just going to go use the pad in, inside when you're home, you might be unpleasantly surprised. And so I coach my clients to treat it like they're house training the puppy to go outside. So put them on leash, take them over to the pad hang out, give them a chance to go, make sure you reinforce them when they do. And then they get a little bit of freedom afterwards, as opposed to just sort of passively hoping that they're going to hit the right spot. 
Yeah, yeah. I think again, the only time I've seen Niffler use that was a time where I was over on the couch. I had my earbuds in and I was working, so I was like ten feet away from him. It had been maybe an hour or two since I'd taken him out, um, and he just walked over and used it, um, which was awesome because he, you know, he doesn't quite know to ask me to go out yet. Um, but yeah, I think the point is, I really like it for times where you can't be supervising or um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, it's a, it's a personal choice, but I do think there are risks associated with it and kind of have a plan for how you're going to wean your puppy off of it if that's important to you. Yeah, for sure. And I think most people that is important for them, you know, unless you've got a dog who's going to be pretty little. Um, most people would really rather their dog doesn't coincide. So the last thing on our list is noise making kind of like kids games. Um, the This is a little optional and kind of goes in with the toy thing but is something that I have in my puppy pen so I wanted to mention um I went to a local YWCA thrift store so Young Women's Christian Association um they've got some great thrift stores here in Missoula and I just went to their toy bin and I picked out a couple weird fun kids toys so I have this demonic cat on wheels that says play with me meow 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 play with me meow 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 it's awful but it's a great socialization thing. It moves, it rolls, it makes noise. Um, I got a ball thing that has like lights and mirrors and some fun things on it. It rolls a little weird because it's got some stubbies sticking out of it. And I got a kid's xylophone. So, you know, and they were like two bucks to four bucks each. Um, but they're just something, they're just kind of like fun little things. I've noticed Niffler, like as he's playing around, will like occasionally accidentally stomp on the, the xylophone. Um, and that's just, you know, it's, he doesn't seem spooked by it. He doesn't even really seem to notice, but that's exactly what I want out of it is just like, yeah, you, you, you made an interesting noise. Um, most things that are made for toddlers are generally speaking going to probably be okay for your puppy. Unless it's a stuffy with eyes, you know, like stuffed toys that have glass eyes. Those are often given to kids and I would not necessarily recommend them for puppies. <laughs> yeah. Anything that doesn't look like it's going to hold up to chewing because toddlers don't chew very hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your puppy chews harder than your toddler. Way would. harder. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that though. And that sort of helps. It, it truly is just desensitization and, and you know, help, helping them understand that not everything novel in the environment is scary. Some of it is just meaningless. And so you don't have to attend to every sound movement, you know, whatever that's happening, flash of light, et cetera. So um, kind of, I would consider those a little advanced. Like, I don't think most people think of that. I don't think it's on their radar. Um, I mean, advanced in terms of it's not, it's not the first thing that people get for their puppies or do for their puppies. So um, yeah, you can definitely get ahead of the game and start desensitizing your puppy to some weird noises and movements and whatever. Yeah, and you can, you know, if you don't want to spend money on that, buy a soda bottle filled, of, filled with rocks. Or, yeah. um, as I said, you know, I've got these this plastic egg carton that makes some weird crinkly noises when it's stomped on. Milk jugs with a strip of fleece tied to them. There's all sorts of, like, fun things out there that, again, you might need to supervise your puppy when they have them. But um, you don't necessarily, even, even if the thrift store is cheap, you don't necessarily have to go out and buy it. And I guarantee you know a parent who would be happy to unload some noise-making toys. 
<laughs> yeah, and when you're done with them, you know, bring them back to the thrift store after they've been sanitized or donate them to your lo- local shelter, shelter or yeah. puppy kindergarten. Um, I know my puppy kindergarten teacher has already offered to buy them off of me when Niffler's done with them. Nice. Nice. Which, I mean, again, they were like 2 to $4 each, but still nice to get your money back. So let's take a quick ad break and then we'll come back with um, some more things to think about as you're prepping for uh, your puppy. So are you looking for high quality training from trainers you can trust to use the most effective, humane, and modern methods? Canis Major Dog Training offers online, private training, behavior consulting, and on-demand courses with our experienced certified trainers. Whether it's leash reactivity, stranger danger, handling sensitivities, or any other behavior and training issues, we can definitely help. And right now you can book any remote session with the code CANINECONVOS for a 10% discount. We would really love to help you and your dog. We also just launched the Canis Major Online Academy. We're super excited about it. And we're adding new courses monthly. So you can get access to high quality instruction from our certified trainers in a ton of different topics like puppy parenting, leash reactivity, and even canine parkour. So we have a lot of fun stuff planned. You can check out everything we have to offer at canismajortraining.thinkific.com. We're helping loads of pet parents from all over the country navigate challenges with their dogs, improve the relationship that they have, and get the life that they've always wanted with their best friend. So you can get started today and make progress with your behavior problems or training challenges right from the comfort of your own home. Canis Major Dog Training is professional training for dogs and their people. This podcast is also supported by Journey Dog Training and our Puppy Raising Blueprint course. If you're feeling lost with puppy raising, check out this course at journeydogtraining.com blueprint. The full course covers topics ranging from common problem behaviors like chewing and barking and nipping and things like socialization, all the way up to the humane hierarchy of dog training. And it's taught by yours truly, Kayla Fratt. If you need more personalized training support, you can also check out our other offerings at journeydogtraining.com. We've got courses on introducing dogs to kids, separation anxiety, we have ebooks on a lot of topics, and we also have remote one-on-one training services available if you've got something a little bit more um, personalized that you need help with. All right, we're back. Let's talk a little bit more about that puppy pen. You know, we've already teased quite a bit about it, so let's just talk a little bit about location. Ursa, do you have anything to say about where you should consider putting that puppy pen for your for your brand new puppy? You know, I like it in a medium activity location. So I don't want it like sequestered away in the basement or in the, you know, the spare bedroom that nobody goes into. But I also don't want it like right in front of the door. So um, and, and the reason is you don't want your puppy to feel super isolated, but you also want them to have a chance to just be alone, you know, like maybe if it's kind of in the corner of the living room or in uh, you know, a, a bedroom just off of the main area um, or near the kitchen, you know, there are going to be times where there aren't people in those locations. And I think that helps the puppy understand that like, it's okay to be alone, but we don't want them to feel like they're missing out on everything. So I, I try to, and it's going to be different in every house. And honestly, like as, as someone who lives in a two bedroom apartment, you might not always be able to hit that sweet spot. <laughs> it might have yeah. to be like right on top of the action, which is fine. Um, yeah, and I, I, would mean, rather... I live in a 
hundred square foot cottage. Right. That you know, the furthest I can possibly put Niffler from my bed <laughs> is maybe fifteen or twenty feet. Right. Um. And and I chose to have him right next to my desk so that when I'm working, he's least likely to be crying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, because I do host two podcasts, <laughs> and I'd rather have squeaky toy sounds in the background than screaming puppy sounds in the background. Definitely. Um. I would also recommend, you know, potentially having two locations mm -hmm. um, because you, unless you want to be sleeping on the couch next to the puppy for the first couple of weeks, you're going to have a much better time letting the puppy sleep up in your bedroom. That doesn't mean that has to be the way it is forever. I personally sleep with my dog in my bed. Um, Same. But, you know, if you don't want to, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Actually, my, my, my dogs let me sleep in their bed is really what it is. <laughs> I sleep over Barley's bed. We've got a bunk bed set up um, where he <laughs> floor under the bed. Um, nice. But yeah, I would recommend, you know, if you, if you do have a larger home like that, um, plan on having two spots. And you know, what I have for Niffler is he's got like a full puppy pen in one area. And then he's just got a crate on the bedside table next to my bed um for nighttime so got it you know just just know that just because it's in the kitchen doesn't mean that you won't let the puppy anywhere else um you know it's okay to have two yeah um sure. so aside from you know what we've mentioned is there anything else you would recommend kind of putting into the puppy pen i think most people will understand that you know the bowls and yeah. the toys are in there what else do you think should be considered as far as putting into the puppy pen well, I love your uh, recommendation of, you know, crate in pen. And that's, you know, what I recommend to a lot of my clients as well. Um, obviously, that variety of enrichment toys is super important um, mm -hmm. because your puppy, <laughs> I was going to say your puppy won't entertain themselves. They will. You just want to direct how they do it. So instead of, um, you know, having them choose their own adventure, you want to give them some appropriate options. Um, a puppy pad is a great idea if you are going to have an extended period of time where you won't be able to help your puppy out with house training. So if you're going to be leaving the house or busy or, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, you don't think you'll be able to give them a chance to go outside. Um, a puppy pad is a good, um, option to have in there and you'll probably want to secure it somehow. Um, they make those trays that hold the pads down. You can literally duct tape it to the floor if you want. Just keep in mind that like those puppy pads feel like fabric. They're very fabric-y uh, and then the plastic on the other side. And so that's a really tempting chew item for a lot of puppies. So you'll want to try to make sure that they can't pick it up and shred it and eat it. The other thing I have in my, my pen that I think I mentioned at the top, but I'll bring out again now is I have a Furbo um, yeah. so that I can look into the pen and shoot treats into the pen. And then my Google Home is also right near it nice. um, so that I can play music or... Um, I, I don't know whether or not I could do this, but I, I think I might be able to listen into my Google Home from my Google Home app if I didn't have a Furbo. Yeah. So, you know, whether whether you've got a dog camera, a dog treat dispenser, um, a smart home device, any of those sorts of things, you might want to position them strategically near your, your puppy pen as well. That's I think that's all you need, really. Just something, make sure they have water, um, you know, depending on what you want your feeding schedule to be, maybe um, maybe food, although I would rather see a puppy eating food out of an enrichment toy, um, things for them to do and a place for them to sleep and go to the bathroom. Yeah. So something else to think about as you're bringing home your puppy is clearing your schedule um, of some some amount or, you know, coordinating with your family on delegating tasks and making sure that you're 
you you have a plan to make sure that your puppy is uh, going to be cared for. So what I've done is I was actually lucky enough that my puppy came home um, on December 20th with Christmas on the 25th. Um, so I have been relying quite a bit on telling um, people like, hey, you know, like I took the GRE the Thursday before I brought Niffler home. He came home on a Sunday. Christmas is the following Friday or Saturday. Um, I've got a lot going on. Let's touch base in January. Um, and that has been a really nice kind of way for me to deal with that. Um, I didn't expect to find it so convenient to be bringing a puppy home around Christmas time, but maybe it's an unexpected plug for Christmas puppies. <laughs> because you do. I mean, depending on how your family celebrates Christmas, if you're going to be traveling and having a bunch of guests and whatever, not a good time. But if you're someone like me who has a little bit more of a quiet um, Christmas tradition, um, it's actually a nice time to clear your schedule and work around that. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, make sure you think about it. I think it's, you know, we keep making this comparison to kids. Um, I think thinking about bringing home your puppy more similar to bringing home a baby than bringing home a dog is going to help you kind of understand the the magnitude of time that you're going to have. I have been able to get a lot of small tasks done, but I have anything that requires more than 40 minutes of serious concentration um, has been really hard for me with puppy. Um, so keep that in mind uh, as you're planning on bringing your puppy home. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I can say, you know, about having kids is like, you know, my husband and I made a choice to have a kid, like we planned it and we knew what we were getting into. And I, I would say that we have a lot of experience in caring for things we've you know, owned a farm and raised livestock and I've had dogs forever. And, you know, we're, we are used to sacrificing, um, to, to take care of things. And I, and I, that's what parenting is about. Right. And even then, like, nobody tells you how, like, it's, it's impossible to prepare for how all consuming it is. And I think that, um, you know, people who bring home puppies, a lot of the time think that they understand what they're getting into. And then the reality of it is, is, as you said, an order of magnitude more intense than mm -hmm. what you plan for. So go easy on yourself. Maybe don't try to plan a lot of um, other big projects or events or, you know, vacation or a job change or a house change or having a baby at the same time or whatever. Um, God, please don't bring home a puppy at the same time you plan to have a baby. <laughs> um, a puppy is going to be a life altering thing for up to a year. I mean, at least, at least six to eight months and more likely closer to a year. So, um, you know, planning ahead and think about what's going to happen in my life in the next six to eight months, that's going to require a lot of my time and attention. And how am I going to fit that with this puppy who requires a ton of my time and attention? Um, that doesn't mean that you can't do the stuff that you need or want to do. You just plan ahead. Like don't, don't leave it till the last second or think like, oh, I can just wing my way through it or things are going to be fine. It's not how it works because puppies are demanding on your time and resources. And, and um, yeah, so definitely, you know, having a plan, making sure that everybody in your family, if you have other family members, understands what their responsibilities are too and sharing those responsibilities. You know, I also have a lot of clients that are like, oh, my kids wanted the dog, but I'm the one taking care of it. And I think like... Unless your kids are living on their own and assuming the responsibility of a dog 
on their own in their own residence, I think that you can assume that they are that likely a lot of it is going to fall to you because kids are kids. We're the adults in the situation and we're the ones that are ultimately going to be responsible. And I can't imagine trusting a, a child of any age to take full responsibility um, without understanding that I'm probably going to have to step in and be a backup at some point just to varying degrees. Um, so yeah, delegating those tasks, making sure that everyone understands what their responsibilities are um, and what the puppy's needs are too, and that you're all on the same page. Yeah. And recognizing that if you're bringing home a new puppy, um, I've been surprised and it's, it's funny that this is surprising to me, but you know, like I have still taking Barley out for nearly daily runs. Puppy obviously can't go on those runs. So I have to take Puppy out for um, a potty break before we go, set him up with a chew, take Barley out for a run, come back, take Puppy out again. Um, I'm cold and sweaty because it's like 19 degrees and it's Montana. Right. And I still have to deal with the puppy before I can go and like shower and get my snack. Yep. Um, and You know, I'm puppy raising on my own. Um, but there are things that, you know, you also all day hikes for me are not going to happen for several months. I can't go cross country skiing for a full day, probably at all this winter. Um, there are some things where you can bring your puppy along. So Barley and I are still going to agility and Niffler is just coming to agility and learning to be created at agility class, which is a great skill for him. And then there are some things that I'm just not able to do. So I'm not spending the night at my boyfriend's place right now at all um, because it's not set up for the puppy. So, you know, there are sacrifices that even if you already have another dog, this is going to change things, at least in the, you know, the medium term. Yeah. I mean, everything is, is more work with a, with a baby animal. Um, my husband and I have a, a joke at some point in almost every evening when, you know, we've sort of done our, our main stuff for the day and maybe we're, you know, finishing up dinner or whatever. And we have the task of like getting our son in the bath and bedtime and stories and PJs and toothbrushing and whatever. Almost, almost every day at some point, every evening at some point, we look at each other and one of us goes, we have miles to go before we sleep from the, the Robert Frost poem. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not just like, oh, I can just roll into my jammies and brush my teeth and and pour a glass of wine and whatever for the night. It's like, we have this whole other tiny little thing to take care of. And puppies are the exact same way. You, You have to do everything for them and it has to be done. You can't skip it. Um, and so you have to factor in all of that into your day. So leaving the house is going to take longer. Getting back from the house is going to take longer. Uh, you know, transitioning from task to task is going to take longer. Your attention is going to be pulled in another direction. You're not going to be able to complete things the way that you want to without interruption. All of those things. So you have to factor that into your time. Um, and again, delegating if you have the option to do that with other family members is awesome. But just set really clear expectations about who's responsible for what and when. Yeah, I think kind of along those lines, as far as delegation, thinking about house training, um, you know, and we'll have an entire separate episode about house training, but, you know, think about where you want your puppy to be going, um, how often you're going, you know, generally the rule is going to be right away when your puppy wakes up, whether it's from all night or from a nap, um, after playtime, after eating, and, you know, then generally every couple hours. Um who's responsible. So who's taking your puppy out, you know, easy for me. I'm the only one here. So it's me. Um, but if you're in a household of four or five people, you know, who's going to be taking the puppy out, you know, you might want to decide on days or, you know, I'm always in charge of noon and you're always in charge of 4 PM or whatever. 
Um, and you might need to get help from a dog walker or other person, particularly if you are, if you're unable to take time off. And even during the pandemic and you're just home on Zoom, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to hop off Zoom and run out with your puppy as soon as he wakes up from a nap. I know I keep looking over my shoulder at Niffler kind of being like, well, I'm glad he's got a, a podcast um, because I'm in the middle of recording a podcast and he, you know, he played for a while. He took a nap. He's just kind of starting to get up again now. And if I were being my best, I'd take him out. Um, but I, but I'm not going to right now because we're in the middle of a podcast. So, um, you know, know that if your puppy doesn't have a potty pad or something uh, and you don't have help, um, you might be having to like drop off of Zoom, which might not be an option if you're in the middle of a Zoom call with, uh, you know, the chief executive of <laughs> a potential client. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is, you know, a good place to mention, like get help if you need it. You know, there are pet sitters and dog walkers that'll drop by and take your puppy out. And, you know, you know, if, if that's not a feasible situation for you, you can see if you can enlist, you know, your neighbor's kid or whatever, um, or family members or friends who want some puppy time or who are willing to do it for, you know, relatively inexpensive, um, you know, ask for help, ask for help if you need it. It's, it's a daunting task to, to raise a puppy. And so, um, everybody needs a break from it sometimes. And so it's okay to enlist other people to help you meet your puppy's needs. And it's much better to do that than to try to do it yourself and not be able to. So, but having a plan for house training before your puppy comes home is going to get you way ahead of the game. And you might need to tweak it. Like sometimes we have to do a little bit of troubleshooting and say, okay, we're taking the puppy out too infrequently or maybe too frequently or the spot we thought we were going to take them. We're actually, we want to change that. That's okay, but at least have a starting, a jumping off point so that mm -hmm. you're, you're not going in blind because you're going to be a lot more successful if you have a plan as with literally everything in life, right? Yeah. So, you know, other things to think about, um, plan some vet groomer fun and real visits, um, you know, if at all possible, might not be possible with the pandemic, but, you know, take your puppy to the vet to go meet a couple of techs, eat a couple of treats, get on the scale and go home. You know, they don't need, you know, don't get vaccinations at that point. It's just a fun visit. Um, you will also want to make a plan for getting your puppy microchipped if they're not already chipped. Most breeders and almost all shelters, your puppy is always already going to be microchipped. So just yeah. make sure you get that information and update it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just think about scheduling your dog's vaccinations and puppy kindergarten. So, you know, quick, easy, just kind of think about what you need um, as far as that goes. And if you don't know, connect with where you're getting the puppy from and double check that. I actually, my breeder handed me um, a little vaccination booklet with a schedule in it. And I was able to kind of like, look at that and then call my vet and be like, okay, so he's got this shot. He got it this day. When does he need to come in next? And they told me that because I had no, you know, like, I don't know. I don't have that memory. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah. Yeah. So and I would say also start looking for a trainer because, you know, that's the kind of thing <laughs> I, I, see a lot of clients who I don't hear from them until there's a problem and then they're frantic and it's like, well, I've got a two week lead time. So, you know, I can kind of give you maybe some quick and dirty help right now, but if you really want my time and attention, it's, it's a couple weeks out. And I would say establish a relationship with a trainer before you bring your puppy home because they can help you plan for this stuff and they can help you when troubleshooting needs arise or when issues arise um, my favorite clients are the ones who reach out and say, Hey, I'm bringing home a puppy next month. What can I, I, I want, I want help. And, um, and it's like, awesome. You're planning ahead. I love that. Uh, we recommend going to either the CPDT website or the IABC website. 
um, those organizations, uh, certified trainers who have standards, um, don't crowdsource puppy, uh, advice. That's the worst thing you can do. I cringe every time I see a friend on Facebook going, Hey guys, what do you, what's your best advice for, uh, how to, you know, how to deal with puppy nipping? Because inevitably you get people who are like, Oh, you should, you know, kick it in the face or whatever, like something terrible. So don't crowdsource uh, don't crowdsource dog training and behavior information, go to an expert. That's why we're here. Um, and like I said, either of those websites, you can go and put in your zip code and find somebody in your area. And honestly, now that a lot of trainers, myself included, are going online, you can access quality training from anywhere in the world, as long as you have an internet connection. So, um, don't be shy about it. Like I said, I think trainers love it when they get people who are planning ahead. I'm going to bring home a dog what do I need to know? What do I need to plan for? You know, et cetera. So I would say when you decide to get a puppy, go ahead and reach out to somebody and just let them know they'll, they're going to be thrilled to hear from you. So. Yeah. And two quick things to add there. Um, Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook. I'm an admin there. All the admins are professional trainers. That is a place where you can go and kind of crowdsource your information. The admin team is really good at deleting and removing comments that are unhelpful advice or actively harmful advice. Um, and right. there are like informational units. So you can like go into the group and go to the chewing unit. And there are 10 different blogs that the admins have all approved all about chewing. So you can go there. And also if you're doing a puppy kindergarten, your puppy kindergarten instructor is going to be a great resource, especially if you're like, well, you know, my puppy doesn't have any issues. Like, why would I go to a professional trainer? You might not need to pay a hundred bucks an hour for an in-person trainer right now. But if you're at least going to puppy kindergarten, you'll get, you should, any puppy kindergarten that's worth its salt, you're not just getting puppy playtime. Your, pu your instructor is also teaching you a little bit of some leash skills and a little bit of leave it, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and you can always stay afterwards and just kind of pick their brain about something quick. Um, and also, you're listening here. Talk to me or Ursa. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we both work with people online. I offer an email and text support option that's really awesome for puppy owners where it's, I think, $45 for a month. And you can just email me with questions and I respond with 20, within 24 hours. It's super easy and perfect if you just have, like, some basic puppy questions. Yeah. Have a dog trainer on retainer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's basically what, yeah, my email yeah. tech support option is. Yeah. Well, and, you know, one one last thing, you know, people who say like, well, I, you know, I don't know that my puppy is going to have any issues, but, um, you know, you don't send your kid to school because they have issues. You send your mm -hmm. kid to school to learn social and emotional skills and learn, you know, uh, gain knowledge and, and, and that sort of thing. It's... I, I would say that working with a trainer is preventative as much as it is curative. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, being proactive and that way you can learn how to teach your dogs the things that you would like and you can prevent issues from happening and you can develop a better relationship with your dog by learning how they communicate and how you can communicate clearly with them. So I would say regardless of whether or not you think your puppy is going to have issues, first of all, they probably will eventually. <laughs> Something's going to happen that you're going to need some help or guidance with. And even if it doesn't, um, being proactive about that relationship is just going to, you know, make your life with your dog all, all the better. So uh, obviously I'm biased. I think dog trainers are amazing because, you know. Yeah, yeah we are, are biased. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, and I'm a professional trainer and I've still posed a couple questions to other really trusted um, mentors or breeders or I'm in kind of constant contact with my puppy's breeder kind of asking 
you know, just kind of basic, like, hey, how vocal have all the other siblings been? You know, like, is he, is this unusual? I don't know. Like, yeah, I have a client right now who's a CPDT. So, and she's like, I'm just, I've got this issue with my two dogs and I want another, another brain to help me problem solve through it, which I think is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just had a, a CPDT client where um oh no, she wasn't a CPDT, but she was she was a pretty skilled trainer. It took us three one-hour calls to finally figure out that her dog's sudden and unusual fear um was related to her drinking wine and getting louder. Oh. Um <laughs> whoops. Like she's just got a slightly noise sensitive blind dog <laughs> and um it was the smell of wine that was setting this dog off. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited about it. We might have to try to do a case study on it. It was just, we were both banging our heads against a wall for a while. That is crazy. That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Beer and now we're fine. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so on the note of training socialization, um, we are again going to do a whole separate episode about this. There's so much to say. Do consider getting a checklist for socialization. My personal favorite is Sophia Yen's. I have it printed out on my desk right now. Um, don't overdo it that first week, but um, I like having, so Sophia Yin's checklist gives you a rubric um, where you can score from one to five on how your puppy responded to things. It's broken down between handling, unfamiliar people, unfamiliar dogs, other animal species, new surfaces, scary sounds, objects with wheels, man-made objects, and new environments. And then on a week by on a weekly basis, you can just kind of mark in what your puppy was exposed to and give them a score so you can know what you might want to come back to. I'm only marking off like 10 out of the 70 things per day, but I'm trying to make sure that I hit a different 10 things every day or circle back to something that was problematic before. Um, We'll again link to that Sophia Yin socialization list. I mean, just kind of, it's a good thing to kind of look at and kind of be like, ooh, yeah, that's right. I did not think about the fact that my puppy needs to um, go to an urban street and not just a suburban street or learn how to walk on a grate or meet people of different ethnicities. My business partner has a German shepherd who's now six years old, um, six or seven, I think, Hazel, who um, is weird about surfaces. So it's not the texture, it's the look of the surface. And um, the first time we took her out sort of in an urban environment, she refused to cross the crosswalk in the street because it was painted, you know, white striped, black, white, black. And she was like, whoa, no, I can't do this. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, gosh. I've seen that with cattle guards where it's like a fake cattle guard painted oh, on the ground. Yeah. Going across. Yeah. Um, fascinating that it works with Hazel too. It works with Hazel because she was like, whoa, this is really weird, you guys. So she actually went around it. Like she wouldn't go on the crosswalk. She would walk, she would cross the street, but only where the asphalt was like solid. So (laughs) stuff like that, you know, it's, we don't think about it because we understand the world. We understand that the paint stripes in a crosswalk are just the the ground, like a different color, but our dogs don't always understand that when they aren't exposed to that early, Um, which Another point that I wanted to mention, if you're bringing home a puppy that's more than a few months old, you're no longer really doing socialization per se, you're doing desensitization and conditioning. So yeah. it's your puppy's brain is no longer sort of wiring, um, you know, uh, what's what's safe, what's not in a, a natural way, for, for lack of a better term. It's not a, the developmental stage that they're in any longer. Yes, they're definitely still learning about what's safe and what's not, but it's much harder 
to make an impression um, on them at that age. And so you're, you're doing more uh, conditioning, which is just teaching them to associate certain things with something good, or maybe unlearning associations that they made during that crucial development phase. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll hear from clients a lot. They're like, oh yeah, I just brought home this 10 month old puppy. What do I need to do for socialization? And I think the pop culture definition of socialization, which is just like getting exposure and being social has been confused with the uh, ethological definition, which is that very specific um, phase of development where, you know, their brains are learning what's safe and what's not. So just to keep that in mind, um, neither are bad. Like you should definitely be exposing your puppy any age in a positive way to novel things, but um, the dynamics are going to be a little bit different depending on the age of your puppy. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And then the last thing we'll, we'll plug for you to think about, and again, Pandemic Puppy Podcast is going to have a whole separate ed- episode about this but if you're listening now and you already have a you know you're you're bringing your puppy home next week uh, it might not come out in time is a plan to introduce to your existing pets um really briefly i'll tell you guys what i did so barley is not great with puppies um and so my plan was i set up the puppy pen area um a week or so before niffler came home part of that was because i actually moved the week before niffler came home so i just set it up as soon as i moved into the new space so barley kind of got used to that um as just part of the new space um and barley came with me to pick up niffler we did a introduction outdoors um where barley had a toy which is you know ball is life for him so he pretty much was ignoring niffler because he was just playing niffler got to sniff him while Barley was not going to turn and scare him in any way. Um, Niffler was crated on the car ride home. Barley was in his seatbelt, so they weren't bothering each other. Um, And then at home, the only time they are out together is when we are either outdoors, um, and I'm actually at the point where I trust them together outdoors in a fenced area without me there, um, or I am there playing with both of them. Um, There have been some normal dog communication that might scare some people. Um, Barley has growled at Niffler, a, a number of times and he has actually given him a harsher correction um i.e biting niffler in the head um <laughs> twice um both times it's been really appropriate you know it looked and sounded scary the first time it scared the bejesus out of niffler um but niffler had been literally trying to hang off of barley's ear as barley was standing there growling and i was on my way over to come unlatch the puppy um as barley finally lost it totally appropriate um i comforted niffler for a minute then went and comforted barley and assured him he had done the right thing i did not scold barley because you know he had a puppy trying to pierce his ear for pete's sake like of course he's gonna tell him off right and then the other time that barley bit him in the head was actually i would have preferred not to have happened um i had two bowls of food soaking um behind a um kind of a grate uh it's hard to explain but it was out of reach barley was lying near there waiting for dinner niffler wandered over and kind of tried to investigate barley growled and um niffler didn't move away and barley again bit him in the head no blood nothing no harm no foul um that was more of a resource guarding incident that i should have managed more carefully but again not unusual dog communication not um aggression that i'm overtly concerned about um and again we'll have a whole separate episode but you know the thing to note is um barley got used to the concept of the space the puppy is going to be in before the puppy showed up i'm carefully managing interactions between the two of them and i'm still having slip-ups and normal dog communication that you know it is aggression but is it's normal Mm -hmm. um 
is likely to occur and is actually probably better than having an extremely tolerant adult who lets the puppy get away with murder all the time. Right. Yeah, because it's really important that puppies learn those boundaries when they're young because they are not going to be afforded the same leniency if they do those things as an adult dog. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather learn not to hang off of other dogs' faces yep. when he's this young yep. versus thinking that's an appropriate way to play when he's a year old and he's going to be an intact boy and he's, I don't need him to get his, you know, for lack of a better phrase, ass handed to him every time he goes and meets another dog um, because he has acquired appropriate skills. So Right, right. Yeah, they have to learn those things with other dogs when they're young so they can be appropriate as adults. So, cool. Well, yeah, we could probably do an entire episode on introducing your new dog. <laughs> so, yeah, and we will for the pandemic puppy podcast later yeah. on. But I think broadly, those are the things to think about as you're preparing for your new puppy. I did not think this was going to be an hour and a half long episode. Um, it is amazing how much we have to say about this stuff. And we rushed at the end because I, Ursa is late. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. Yeah, there's a lot to think about. And I think it just speaks to the fact that having a puppy is work. It's going to be a lot of work for a while. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, planning ahead is, it will only make your life easier. Um, so, you know, just keep this in mind there. I'm sure there are some things that we left out that we could have included, um, you know, and there's always going to be surprises because that's just how life is. So um, certainly not exhaustive, but pretty close. What, I think what we've discussed today will get you there and will make your life easier if you're, if you're able to plan ahead. Cool. So you are listening to either Canine Conversations or the Pandemic Puppy Podcast, depending on which feed you're in. The lab. <laughs> if you're not subscribed to the other one, make sure you do subscribe, um, like, comment, review, share, you know, whatever it is that you feel inclined to do. We appreciate it. Um, if you're bringing home a new puppy, make sure you check out the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group over on Facebook. It's free. I'm one of the admins. It's an amazing support um, option. And if you like what you're hearing today and you want to be able to submit questions, sign up over at Patreon as little as three bucks a month. Um, you can either support Canine Conversations or Pandemic Puppy, whichever one you feel more called to. Um, and you can submit <laughs> questions that we'll answer at the end of each episode because of when we're recording this. We actually don't have any Patreon questions lined up right now because Pandemic Puppy hasn't launched yet. And Canine Conversations has a bunch of specific questions lined up for guests that are not on this episode. But <laughs> normally, you'll be able to ask some questions. I'm Kayla Fratt of journeydogtraining.com. You can find me there. You can also follow Niffler, Barley, and I at Collies Without Borders. So there's an S at the end of that now. Um, <laughs> on Instagram. And that is like, if you want kind of like daily puppy training and puppy life stuff, that's the best place to see it from me versus more like long form blogs and stuff. Obviously, that's going to be um, here, YouTube and my blog. Um, so just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Awesome. And I'm Ursa Acri. I'm the co-owner of Canis Major Dog Training. You can find us online at canismajortraining.com. You can also check out, <clears throat> excuse me, our survival guide to puppy biting course, which is launching on Thinkific um, next month. And you can look at all of the courses that we're offering and then keep up with our future offerings at canismajortraining.thinkific.com. So is that launching in January? Yeah. By the time you guys are hearing this, it'll be like about to launch, if not already live. Yeah, I think we have a, um, oh gosh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think we have a, a loose sort of launch date for early January. Um, 
Um, yeah, so they'll so. be out right around the same time. Yeah, awesome. So check that out. Puppy biting is a very complex but important topic um, mm -hmm. and something that you're going to be dealing with no matter what. Puppies just, they, they nip. So uh, check it out. Cool. Great. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye.